Okay, let's get our Bible and turn to the, the book of, actually we're going to look at the book of Luke to begin, chapter 6, before we get into our new theme in the book of Proverbs, uh, in our major themes study in Proverbs. Proverbs is, is kind of a difficult book to go verse by verse in because they're, you know the verses that deal on the same subjects are kind of all over the place. So we're going through the, uh, the major themes, the themes that are recurring in the book of Proverbs. And, uh, but to introduce our theme, we want to look at Luke chapter 6 to begin. So let's read Luke chapter 6 and verse number uh, 40. Let's look at verse number 39. <clears throat> verse number 39. The Bible says this, Luke 6, verse 39. And he spake a parable unto them. How, can, the, can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote? that is in thy brother's eye, but per perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. There's a lot of good lessons in the, these verses. How a beam in our eye affects our vision so drastically. But anyway, I move on. Verse 43. For, <clears throat> the reason I read that is because verse 43 begins with the word for, which is a coordinating conjunction. It connects to the prior and gives the cause and reasons for the prior verses. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, thank you once again that you are the head of the church and that you have uh, ordained and ordered and uh, organized our church here to meet together uh, this Sunday, like every Sunday, to worship and to uh, give you praise, to fellowship and encourage one another and to Hear the Word of God, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to meet in Sunday school. Lord, I pray uh, that you would give grace and help to Sister Judy, uh, who can't be here today, as, as well as some others who aren't well. I pray especially for Ken, uh, Brother Daryl's son, that you would give mercy to him, Lord, and you would give him peace, and you would give doctors wisdom as they try to treat him and, and help him. Lord, please help and give grace there. And, Lord, we, just, we need you as we study the Scripture, Lord. We acknowledge that we need your help. I pray that you would help us to receive these things in your Word and help us to be more fit uh, to walk with you, to honor you, to, uh, to reflect your glory uh, through our lives. And I pray for your blessings upon everything that's done 
in our class here this morning. Bless the teachers that are downstairs that are also teaching the Word and uh, trying to help the kids to know the Scripture. Lord, give them grace, and I pray that you would be present there with them, teaching and instructing also. In Jesus' name, amen. Our subject uh, we'll start this morning is the subject of the tongue, the tongue, the mouth, the lips, the words, however you want to say it. Uh, it all refers to the same basic principle. But the thing we must start with is in verse 45. Now, as a, as a matter of interpretation, as you look at the Bible and these verses, you know, it talks about um, a tree bringing forth corrupt fruit and good fruit and how men are known by their fruits and thorns and brambles and the fruits that those types of plants may or may not produce. All of that in verse 43, 44, and 45 is actually talking about how we talk. If you look at the verses, at the end of verse 45 is the key to understanding, you know, Jesus, uh, our Lord, He used these parables a lot, you know, and a, and a parable is just, um, is just a comparison. It's an illustration, something, the word means to cast down, to cast beside. And so the Lord had a truth He wanted to convey, so what He did is He took a, a real-to-life story and He lays it down beside the truth to help us compare and understand the truth, all right? And uh, that's what he's doing here with this talk about the, the trees and the fruits and the thorns and the brambles and those things. He is, he is actually making a statement in verse 45 at the end about the mouth. At the end of verse 45, if you'll look at that, the Bible says, For of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So he's not in this context, he, the fruit, the good fruit, bad fruit, good tree, bad tree, is not talking about necessarily the way we live, although that could be applied. It's talking about the way we talk. Talking about the way we talk. Now, there are other passages that use this same uh, parable to describe the way we live. And that, like I said, that's a valid way to, to look at it. But in this passage, is speaking the way we talk. So what is the Lord saying? The Lord is saying... A corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit, and a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit. So, he's saying that what we say comes out of our heart. And whatever is the state of our heart will determine the kind of fruit, that is, the words that we speak, will be determined by the heart that those words come out of. So here's, here's the thing we have to understand before we get into Proverbs about it, because uh, Proverbs, in fact, outside of wisdom, I don't know that a subject in Proverbs has more content, more verses dealing with the subject than the, the subject of words and, and the tongue and the mouth. So what we cannot say, and this is what we often try to do, is we try to make a distinction between what we say and what's in our heart, our character, our spiritual state, or our condition, you might, however you want to say it, because this is what the Lord says here, and this is Jesus speaking now. What he says here is pretty, is pretty strict. He says that no one can say, I'm a, I'm a good tree, to use the example. No one can say, I'm a good tree, if their mouth is foul. You cannot say that. You cannot say that. Well, you know, I have a problem. No, no. The problem is not right here. The problem is what it's connected to down here. 
That's where the problem lies. This is what the Lord is saying. So our words reveal a lot more about us than we would like to admit. And of course, we're not just talking about, uh, if you think you are mistaken, if you think we're going to look at Proverbs and all Proverbs is going to say, don't say the D word or the S word or whatever. That is not what this is about. That is the easy stuff, right? None of, none of those things ought to come out of a Christian's mouth ever or anybody's mouth, really. But there's a lot more to it than that. We can have, listen, we can have words and use language that is as pure as the driven snow and it still be corrupt and foul. Can I get an amen right there? It's absolutely true, yeah. So, um, so Proverbs is going to, of course, Proverbs, just like everything we study in Proverbs, it's going to dig deep and it's going to cut to the quick. The key thing we, we need to know from Luke 6, though, is that what comes out of our mouth has its root in our heart. That's the key. That's the key. We have to understand that. So with that in mind, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 18 and see our kind of our text verse. And we'll look at several other verses as well. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 and verse number 21. Now I'm sure most of you have probably heard this verse. It says, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life. What's interesting in this verse is the fact that both things, death and life, are found in one object. The principle there is both, you have two things that are polar opposites, that are not related, that are not compatible. It's like light and dark, good and evil, death and life. Things that should not ever, you know, the North and the South Pole, they repel one another, right? This, this is death and life, but yet they exist. What's unique about the tongue is that both of those things exist in the same place simultaneously. We'll look at James, and James talks about this as well. So our, the, the, thing, the takeaway from this, and again, we'll see it in James in a minute, is that it is... Those two things existing in the same place, death and life, good and evil, should not be. Our tongue, our tongue is an instrument that should be used purely for one purpose, not, not this kind of dual purpose, sometimes one, sometimes another. That's, that's not really compatible with reality. And it's, in other words, it's, it's against nature, Right? You think of uh, the tongue, we'll see in a minute, is, is compared to a sword, right? A sword. A sword is only an instrument of death. It's never an instrument of life. Poison. Poison is only an instrument of death, right? There's no, like, good use for poison. Yet the tongue has both. The tongue has both uh, good and evil within it. Now, the other thing we need to look at from verse, eight, uh, verse 21 
is the, and this is kind of the core of what I want to say today, is that, is that the tongue has power. Power. Look at verse number 21 again. Death and life. Now, we might speak of good and evil, bad, you know, you might say profit and, you know, loss of profit. You, you know, you could use terms like that uh, to describe things, but you can't use a more extreme uh, language to describe the tongue than death and life. Like those are the most important things that there are, whether you live or whether you die. And yet these are the things that are used to describe the tongue. The tongue is small, yet it retains great power. It retains great power. Now, oftentimes we think in terms of the way we live, right? We often think of terms of, we think of a sin, right? as something we do with our body, you know, maybe a place we go or an action we take or harm brought upon another, something like that. We think of sin in terms of our body and what we do with it. And that's all true. That's all true. But sometimes I think we, we separate out the tongue as something maybe less significant. You know, what we say is, is, more, is probably more minor than what we do. We think of maybe a, a, an ill word or a, an unkind word or a, a, a word of gossip or tail-bearing or, or a, a nasty kind of biting word that we say to someone as, as a smaller issue than if we slapped them across the face, right? How many, of you think, how many of you think that's a smaller issue than slapping someone across the face? Here's the thing. None of you are going to raise your hand because you know it's a trick question. You can't, get arrested for, you can't get arrested for saying something unkind to somebody. But let me ask you a question. We don't, we don't base what is, what is in the sight of God right and wrong, good and evil, righteous and unrighteous, based upon the law. There's a lot of things that should be, should be unlawful that aren't, and there's some things that are unlawful that shouldn't be. And that's, not, that's not our standard. Our standard is God's Word. But how many of you have been in a situation where you would have preferred someone to slap you across the face rather than say what they said to you. You see, we can and we could look at examples of that. You know, there there are there's a number of ways we could we could we could bring up examples of, you know, I, I just rather them I just rather them just just slap me. It would have been easier to bear. At least at that point, you could. At least at that point, you could maybe excuse it and say, "Well, maybe they just lost their temper." But the problem is, when someone says something to you, Jesus says it, it, it popped up out of their heart. It was not just a fit at one moment. Now it might have popped out in a moment as a result of rage or anger. But the, the content of what they said was already there. That's what makes it so hurtful. It's because innately we know when someone says something. Now, again, I'm speaking of someone else because it's a lot easier to speak in these terms now. When someone says something, it's hurtful and painful because you know it came out of their heart. Even if you didn't know that verse, you know it came out of their heart. They just... Maybe they got to a point where they could no longer restrain it, but it was already there. That's what makes it so painful. 
That's what makes it so painful. So the tongue is a small member. And even though we view our actions, right, our actions as as more important and more severe, the Bible says that the tongue has the same power as actions do, the power of death and life. I mean, you think of, you know, you, if you, you take your gun and you shoot someone, that's an action with your body, with your hands, right? You take a sword and you slash someone, a knife, you, you, you stab someone, that's an action of the body. But the, the Bible says that the tongue has that same power, the same power. Well, the Lord really didn't mean that. Well, actually, He did. He did. One need not, listen now, one need not lift a finger of action to do harm. Or, on the other side, one need not lift a finger of action to do good. The tongue can do both. So the tongue is not just evil, it's good. it has good too, it can do good. The tongue has the power of action even without the action. Even without the action. Now look at, look at James chapter 3. This is why the Lord says, and I'll just touch on this as we go. This is why the Lord says, keep your tongue. In Proverbs, keep your tongue. Guard it. Guard it. Because here's the reality. All of us, no matter how pious we might look, all of us have things in our heart that, that if we verbalize them would hurt people and displease the Lord. All of us have things that are latent in our heart. Maybe we don't even know they're there, but they are there. And, and if, we're, if our tongue was given opportunity and we did not guard it, we, might, we could really do damage. We could really do damage. Now, of course, the solution to that is not to just hold your tongue. The solution is to search your heart, you know, and get your heart right so that there's nothing there, you know, or is, there's a lot less there anyway, rather than just trying to look good on the outside. James 3, verse number 4, the Bible says this, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about, with a very small helm. Now, you think in this day, the ships, how large the ships were. You know, I mean, we're not even talking to the size of the Nina and the Pinta and the Santa Maria, right? Her, you know, or however big the ships in the, the Revolutionary War era or something like that. These ships were a lot smaller than that. And now look at the ships we have. Cargo ships, enormous ships, yet the same principle applies. Some guy sitting on the bridge, literally sitting on the bridge, just like turning a steering wheel, and the whole ship moves. The whole ship moves. He, don't, he doesn't even have to exercise any, any serious effort at all. But notice the contrast between the, the ships being great and the helm being small. That's, that's the key here. Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so, verse 5, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So again, we talk about something little, but again, the Lord's reminding us 
that what we say, the use of our tongue is not a little matter. This is the whole point. The whole point. It seems little. It seems it's insignificant. The way you talk to people, please, please listen to me. The way you talk to people, even within our church, within your family, with your children, the attitude you use, the words you carry, the things you say, the things you don't say but imply, right? All of those things are not small things. The way we speak is not a small matter. When we speak to, when we speak, at some, speak to someone in haste, in anger, in irritation, it affects, it affects them. And it is not okay. It is not okay. And it is not a small matter. People can be harmed permanently. Death and life, right? We have to understand, this is what the Lord is trying to drive home to us. Be careful what you say. Your words do matter. To your, your mom, dad, your children, your church family, your flesh and blood family, your words matter. It is not a small issue. Yes, sir. At least you can delete it. Yeah, well, I hope and pray no one saw what I said. But, like, think about it. What you say to people, though, can't be deleted. Right? But that brings up a good point about social media. And most everybody in here is on social media in some form. Even if you, even if you just uh, lurk in the shadows. <laughs> is this... The, the things that you put on social media are also words that also carry the same power. You know, there's all kinds of people, when you read comments, sometimes there's a lot of fun. You want to, uh, this, is, this, is, this, is this is something funny. If you, wanna, if you want something funny, go look at the comments on Amazon, different Amazon products. There's some really, really funny comments on Amazon. But that's, that's, that's a side note. But on social media especially, people will say things like, I just wish you would kill yourself. 
just because it's some minor thing that they don't like. You know, they're just irked about or a political party thing or, you know, political things where people do that. And they're just like, I wish all of you would die, you know. Listen, words on social media are words, but people behind their little computer, behind their screen, nobody knows who they are, you know. They're anonymous for all practical purposes, and they can say whatever. And that, listen, that is one of the ugly parts of social media that has really, really uh, been revealing is when nobody knows who you are, what is in your heart can come out without reservation in the form of a comment. And see, that's the, this is the set you think, we're in 2024, social media and all that stuff. This is exactly what the Lord was saying in Luke 6. It's just that people restrain it because they have to face the music if they say it out loud. And sometimes they do anyway, but, but they often restrain it. But on social media, that restraint mechanism is gone, largely gone. And so people just, whatever. I'm telling you, you and I would, would, would be wise to just not put anything on there. <laughs> to just not put anything on there unless it is uplifting and encouraging. And if you, listen, and I know, I, I, I'm off topic now, but I know that family problems are aired out on social media, right? Relationship problems are, how many of you have seen this? And you just kind of went, ooh, right? Listen. Don't do that. Amen. If you have a problem with somebody, if somebody, if somebody is wrong and they need to be reproved, go to that person. Do not air it on social media. That does no good. And you create a situation. Has, has it ever happened that someone aired their problem or their relationship fallout or whatever on social media and, you know, you know whoever commented and says, you know, you're just, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then, oh, and the person's like, oh, I see, I did wrong. I'm sorry. That never happens. You've been publicly shamed. It's, it, you have burned the bridge. So don't do that. Well, I'm just venting. Don't. Venting is wicked when you vent and do evil to vent. Vent to the Lord, right? <laughs> yeah. true. That's true. All right, James 3, verse number, uh, verse number 6, the Bible says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. Why does the Bible say it's a world of iniquity? The idea, the idea being is it is a storehouse, that almost like a never, an unending storehouse of, of wickedness. You know why? Because it's connected to the heart of man. And listen, Outside of Satan himself, I'm about to say something that's going to offend a lot of people probably, or could, probably not obeying here. Outside of Satan himself, there is no more wicked thing than the human heart. The human heart is responsible for literally everything that's wrong in the world. Everything. 
every invention of evil, it goes back with maybe you could argue a few except, but I mean, you're talking everything. The human heart. And when you have a mega horn that's attached to it, <laughs> this is why the Bible says it's a world of iniquity. Anything that can be imagined can be aired on the mega horn. Wow. That's enormous. It's one thing if it's in the heart locked up in some, like, some sort of Pandora's box, you know, under lock and key. But the, it's not. It's attached to, a, to a, an amplification system. The heart. It says this, <clears throat> It defileth the course of na- uh, the, the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. So not only myself, my person, but also everything around me. <laughs> nature itself even. And is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. There's only one chance you've got. Listen, you and I have no chance to tame this instrument inside of our mouth. No chance. But the tongue can no man tame. You see what it says? No man. Not you, not me. No man or woman. but the Holy Spirit can tame it. Because He's not a man. He can tame it. Yes. And you know what? The Holy Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God in you, which you're, if you're born again, you do, right? If you have the Spirit of God in you, He is the one thing, the one thing between your heart and your tongue. <laughs> right? That's why we must walk in the Spirit. Right? Walk in a way that is yielded to Him, fellowshipping with Him. He can tame it. He can tame it. It is an unruly evil, verse 8, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Sweet just means fresh water. Can, can the fig tree, brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain yield both salt water and fresh. Notice, I want you to note one more thing, and we'll look at a few more verses and we'll be finished. Notice in verse number 6 and in verse number 8, the tongue is compared to fire and the tongue is compared to poison. Fire and poison. Now look at it. Let's just do a perusal, if you will, in, uh, starting in Psalm 52. I want to show you in Scripture some things that, are, that the tongue is compared to to kind of give us an idea of what a, a serious matter this is. Psalm 52, verse number 2. Psalm 52, verse 2. Speaking of the, uh, the mighty man who who's, does not trust in the Lord, actually there was a reference to Doeg, the Edomite. I just read this in my Bible reading here. He says, Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. See that? Look at chapter 57, Psalm 57. Verse 4, 
Psalm 57, verse 4, says this, My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue is a sharp sword. You see that? Look at chapter 58, verse 4. It says this, Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth the ear. Now, go back to verse 3 to get the context. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies. I'll read it again. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They are like the deaf adder that stoppeth the ear. So there it is related to poison, in this case venom. Actually, the, the word we would use more commonly is venom. So here we have the Bible's, uh, I'm sorry, the words of man are compared to razors, to spears, to arrows, to swords, to poison. Look at chapter 64. Psalm 64, verse number 3. Speaking of the wicked again, says this, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot, the, shoot their arrows, even bitter words, they, that they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him. Again, swords, arrows, wetting, sharpening, sharpening their sword so that they might, they might use it as words. Look at Psalm 140. Psalm 140, verse number 3. Verse 3 says, They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Selah. And lastly, look at Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Verse 27 says this, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. So here's what we have in the, in the Scriptures we, as we close. The tongue is compared to a razor, to knives, spears, arrows, uh, venom, snake venom, and fire. And also, you could say in James, poison. All right? Now, what are all those things used for? One thing and one thing only. Killing. Killing. And the warning to us is, your words can kill. Your words can harm. Your words can bring great, great reproach and can hurt people badly not unlike or in no way less than your actions and my actions. I'm speaking to you, speaking to me, it's just the same. So we must be careful of the tongue's power. It can, it can do great evil 
and it can do great good. And we'll look at that. We will look at that uh, later as well. We'll look at the good that, that it does. But let it be a warning to us and a, you know, just, a, just so that we're aware how we use our words. Let's pray together.